This will work. Okay. Can you hear me now? Okay. So if you begin to research that question, where does your confidence come from, you're going to get a lot of the same answers. Most people today are going to tell you that your confidence starts with a self-confidence, right? Your confidence comes from within, that you can't be confident unless you are confident in yourself. One author put it this way, that confidence comes from a self-trust in your skills, in your choices, and in your values. Self-trust in your skills, choices, and values. It's still not working. Okay. Self-trust in your skills, choices, and values. I don't know about you, but for me, when I look within and I look at my skills and my choices that I've made and my values that I have, sometimes I don't find confidence in those things. Sure, I've got some skills, but there are a lot of skills that I don't have and that I wish I had. Sure, I've made some good choices, but there are also a lot of bad choices that I've made. Yes, I have values in life, but a lot of times those values get so messed up and out of whack that, that I don't know what I'm doing. And so when I w look within, I don't really find confidence all the time. So where do we go? Where do we go to find our confidence? We go to our Savior, right? We go to Jesus. And we go to his word, and we hear and we learn about what he has done for us. We look at him and not within. And so we're going to read Hebrews chapter 4 again, our second reading. And as I read, I want you to see if you can pick out some reasons why we can have confidence in Jesus. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is where we find our confidence in our great high priest. And in our sermon today, we're going to go through all of those reasons that maybe you picked out for why we can have confidence in Jesus for our lives, for our daily lives, and for our eternal life in heaven. We can have confidence in Jesus. So after we just read that, we were given all these reasons why we can have confidence in Jesus. So how come we so often want to look within to find this confidence? How come we look at ourselves when we have Jesus? Well, it's because Satan tells us this lie. This lie that, that Jesus is so far off and he's, he's perfect and he's the son of God and he's lived a perfect life, but that really has nothing to do with us. That's what Satan wants us to think. And sometimes we feel that, don't we? Sometimes we think that. Sometimes we think that, that we're in the fight, that we're in the game here, but Jesus, he's, he's in the stands. He's just a fan cheering us on, and we're alone here. 
And sometimes we feel like that's what his word is in the Bible, right? It's just some nice words of encouragement. And yes, there's encouragement there, but it's so much more, right? Or maybe sometimes we think that Jesus, he's closer to us. He, he's, he's on the sidelines now. Maybe he's, he's more like a coach just telling us what to do. And maybe we come to church and we hear his word. And when we leave, we feel like Jesus is just patting us on the back and saying, okay, go get him. I've shown you what to do. Now you do it. And we feel like we're all on our own. And that's a lie that Satan tells us. That we're alone in this fight. But Hebrews was written to defeat that lie. We don't know exactly who wrote this book of Hebrews, but we know why it was written. It was written to defeat that lie of Satan, to tell us over and over again that Jesus didn't stay on the sidelines. That Jesus isn't far off and distant and he's not just up in the clouds doing his own thing, minding his own business while we're down here. No, Hebrews tells us that Jesus got in the game for us and with us. That Jesus came to this earth for you and for me. We read in our verses that Jesus is our great high priest. High priests in the Old Testament, if you remember uh, the Israelites, God chose a special people. And out of that special people, he chose uh, a group to be high priests for them, to represent them before God, to pray on their behalf, to offer sacrifices for them. They were the, the mediator between God and his people. And this pleased God, to have someone speak on behalf of his people. And so that's what Jesus is for us. He is the mediator between God and us. He's working on our behalf for us. And we have him. That's what it also says. He is our high priest that we have. You know the verse, John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to us. He is now ours. And we can take pride in him as our savior and our great high priest. And we take comfort in that. But Jesus, he's, he's not just a high priest who is up in heaven and he's speaking on our behalf and maybe he doesn't know what we need, but he knows. He knows you and he knows me. He empathizes with us. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. How amazing is that to know that God knows your struggles. He knows how you are tempted every single day. He knows how you are in a fight against Satan. He knows that, that you get tired and that you get hungry sometimes. He knows that you have stressors and you have anxieties. He knows that. To empathize with us. It can be a confusing word sometimes. It sounds like sympathize, but there's a little bit of a difference. I once had this word described to me like this. Empathize is like this. Picture that there is a pit in the ground, okay? There's a pit in the ground, and someone has fallen in that pit. And another person walks up to that pit and sees that person in there, and they feel sorry for that person. They say, oh, how sad that you have fallen in this pit. And then they walk away and move on with their day. That's to pity someone. That's to have pity on someone. You say you're sorry, but it doesn't really lead to any action. Okay, another person walks up to this pit, sees the man in the pit, and, and says, oh, how sorry. They pity him, and then they say, they, they try to figure out what that person is feeling. They try to put themselves in their shoes to help them better, to understand better. 
That's to sympathize. Now another person comes, and he sees the pit, sees the person in there, and he says, this is so sad. He pities him. He tries to figure out what that person's going through. He sympathizes with them, but then he goes a step further, and he gets down into the pit. He jumps down into the pit, and he knows exactly what they're going through. He can relate to them in a way that no one else can because he's there. He's going through it. That's to empathize. You see, our Savior was in heaven. And he was in a place that had no pain. He had no sadness. There was no suffering. There was no disease or disaster or death. There was no Satan or sin. And he left all of that. And he came down to the pit. He came down to this place that we live in that has sin and it has dirt and it has disease and it has death and it has Satan who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for people to devour and our Satan came here and he lived here with us and he lived in this pit for us. Our Savior knows you. Our Savior knows us. He was tempted in every way that we are. And yet... He didn't sin. Thank goodness the author adds that big yet, right? Jesus is like us in that he was tempted. He knows us, but he's different in one very special way. He's the son of God. He's perfect. And thank goodness that he was because, because Jesus loved us so much. He knew us and he empathized with us. And this led to action. His love was an active love. And so that he lived perfectly for you and me because he knew that's what it took to rescue us, to be our champion. He didn't live selfishly for one second. He, he, he was hungry and yet he never got hangry. He was tired and yet he never said something foolish that he regretted. Satan said, turn these stones to bread and then satisfy your hunger. And Jesus wasn't thinking about himself there. He was thinking about you. In that moment, he was thinking about you and your salvation. He knew that if he stumbled just once, we were doomed. We were doomed to stay in that pit forever. Jesus knew that there needed to be a perfect substitute, a perfect sacrifice, a perfect lamb of God who could take away the sins of the world, and that was him. And so he did it. He did not sin. He was perfect. He was our substitute. All of these reasons are why we can have confidence in Jesus for our lives. He's our great high priest. He's perfect, and he gets us, and he knows us. And there's one more thing as well. We're told that Jesus ascended into heaven. We say that a lot. We're going to say it in a little bit when we, when we confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. That Jesus is ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And that is not a small thing. That is an amazing phrase that we say and confess and believe. Because that means that Jesus is up there right now. And that means that he didn't stay in this pit. Yes, Jesus went further down in the pit than we ever will. He went to the cross. 
and he paid the price for our sins. He suffered death and punishment that we will never have to experience. But he rose from the dead on Easter Sunday. True man, true God, Jesus went out from the tomb in all of his glory, triumphant and victorious over Satan, sin, and death. And now that victory is ours. And so now he is in heaven. Our great high priest who knows us is up there working on our behalf, hearing our prayers, presenting them before God as pleasing sacrifices to him. What an amazing thing it is. And he gives us grace and mercy when we need it. So all of those reasons are why we can have confidence in Jesus. And now that confidence applies to everything we do in life. We can have confidence in everything. But today I want to highlight three things, three important things that this confidence in Jesus gives us confidence to do in life. First of all, this confidence we have applies to when we face death right? That is the greatest blessing that we receive from our great high priest. That we know where we're going to spend eternity. No one else has that blessing besides Christians, besides us. What a great comfort that is. That when we are facing death, we can be facing it with confidence and knowing that we are going to enter heaven. We are going to go to God's throne room and there's going to be a crown of glory waiting for us. And our great high priest is going to be there with his arms wide open, welcoming us to eternity of happiness. We will never, we will not stay in that pit forever. We have confidence in that. Now the next two Things that this applies to uh, deal with the here and now and today. So we have confidence in eternity, but we have confidence in this life as well. Let us approach the throne of God with confidence. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about how every single day you can speak to your Lord. Not because you are worthy. Not because you have done anything, not because within you there are great choices and there are great values and skills. No, we can approach God's throne with confidence because of Jesus, because our champion, because his victory is ours, because his righteousness is ours, because he won for us the forgiveness of sins. And so now we can go to God and we can expect that he's going to give us grace and mercy. Jesus, our Lord, knows us. He knows that we are sinners. He knows what sinners need. Sinners need love. Sinners need forgiveness. Sinners need mercy. And that's what we get. So we don't have to pretend, right? We don't have to pretend like we're in this battle alone and, and that we are doing okay. No, we can lay it all before God. We can come to him, cast all our anxieties on him with confidence. Finally, Point number three is that we can be confident in our daily battles, in our daily struggles. You see, as followers of Christ, we're promised that we are going to bear crosses. We're promised that this life is going to be hard at times, that there are still going to be temptations, that Satan is still at work, that there is still a battle going on. But the thing about this battle is that it was over before it started. 
You see, Jesus won the victory for us. When Adam and Eve sinned, God said right away, I'm going to crush this serpent's head. It's over. The victory is already yours, Adam and Eve, and it's yours, and it's ours. So now we can battle with confidence. We can resist temptation. We can fight against Satan and his lies with the word of God with confidence. Martin Luther, he, he understood this battle. He understood the struggles and he, he gives us some advice on how to do battle against Satan and his temptations. He doesn't tell us to look within. He doesn't tell us to try harder and to be better. Instead, he tells us to go to Christ. Listen, listen to his advice and how to do battle against Satan and his temptations. Luther says this, Do not strive and struggle to free yourself and do not brood on your wretchedness, suffering, and misery. Instead, say this to yourself. Come on, get down on your knees, lift up your eyes and hands towards heaven. Because it is God's desire and will that you lay your troubles before him. God does not want you to multiply your troubles by burdening and torturing yourself. No, he wants you to be too weak to bear and overcome such troubles. He wants you to grow strong in him. By his strength, he is glorified in you. These struggles happen not to increase our confidence in ourselves, but to increase our confidence in God. For his grace is sufficient for you and for me. That's the confidence that we can have. Jesus is your great high priest. Jesus is our champion who lived perfectly, who paid the price for our sins who won the victory for us. Now go and live with confidence. Amen. Now the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.